Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast. I'm Ron Granary, Professor of History at the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College and podcast editor of The War Room. It's a pleasure to have you with us. In a series of recent statements, Army Chief of Staff General Randy George has emphasized the need for the Army to focus on its central warfighting role, asking commanders for feedback on how we can stop doing things that don't contribute to lethality and building cohesive teams. At the same time, the United States national security strategy has emphasized the significance of the People's Republic of China as the United States' primary strategic competitor. And quote, the only competitor with both the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military, and technological power to do it. The U.S. Army War College seeks to adapt its curriculum to such broad national guidance while not losing sight of timeless elements of strategic education. The most important innovation in academic year 2024 is a new China integrated course, which combines both detailed discussions of the history, politics, and strategy of the PRC and a curated simulation exercise war game designed to help train practitioners in both teams building and, if necessary, war fighting. To discuss the China course, war fighting, practitioners, theorists, and all of the things that that entails for the Army War College's curriculum and mission, we are pleased to welcome two colleagues whose work encompasses all of these issues, Dr. Zanel Garcia and Colonel Thomas Spar. Zanel Garcia is an Associate Professor of Security Studies in the Department of National Security and Strategy at the U.S. Army War College. His research focuses on the intersection of international relations theory, security, and geopolitics. He is the author of China's Western Frontier and Eurasia, The Politics of State and Region Building, and China's Military Modernization, Japan's Normalization, and the South China Sea Territorial Disputes. He's also published several peer-reviewed articles focused on the impacts of Chinese foreign policy. Colonel Thomas W. Spar is the chair of the Department of Military Strategy Planning and Operations at the U.S. Army War College. He served as an Army military intelligence officer for 23 years and has been a professor at the U.S. Army War College for the past four. He has a Ph.D. in history as well and has deployed as an intelligence officer to Afghanistan, Colombia, and Eastern Europe. We are delighted to have both of them with us today on A Better Peace. Welcome, Dr. Garcia and Colonel Spar. Thanks, Ron. Glad to be here. It's great to see you both in our virtual studio. And I want to start with just the big question. That is, the Army Chief of Staff is not the only person who has emphasized the need to in, uh, include more war fighting in our war college curriculum. What does that mean to you? I'm going to start with you, Colonel Spar. What does it mean to say we need more war fighting in the curriculum? Well, first, I think we need to start with the, the definition of what is what is war fighting, right? Because it's something we debate mm. around here, a healthy, a healthy debate. Um, in, in my department, Department of Military Strategy, Planning and Operations, we, we define wargaming as something like 
the use of kinetic and non-kinetic means to achieve a lethal and, and non-lethal effects, um, integrating across the five domains, right, towards a strategic outcome. Um, and warfighting is, is going to involve kinetic or violent action um, or the threat, rather, of the of violent action. Um, and when we, when we look at our student body, approximately 180 of the 275 U.S. students, according to, I was just looking at statistics from about 2021, they're going into positions where they're going to be building campaigns in competition. And if we go to war, those campaigns will quickly transition uh, to warfighting campaigns. So it's important that we talk about war fighting it throughout the throughout the curriculum and, and how we define it. And those jobs, you know, they could be at combatant commands, it could be at an army service component command, uh, where they would be serving as a theater in a theater army in wartime. They could be at a, an army corps uh, or in a, a joint assignment. Um, so so what what we try to do here in in DIMSPO is uh, that's Department of Military Strategy Planning and Operations is to improve a student's judgment and how they are going to apply military power, right, in warfighting. We're going to try to teach them to synchronize uh, across space and time military assets. Um, we're going to talk to them about bringing, how to bring together the different domains, the land, the sea, the air, the cyber, and the space, and then integrate it with uh, other instruments of, of national power that are more covered by the other departments um, in order to ideally deter an adversary, uh, but if necessary, compel them to do uh, w- what we need. I, I don't want to marginalize the other other departments uh, when it comes to warfighting, though, because there's it is a, a broad definition, right? If you look at our defense management de- uh, course, core course, they're going to look at how you build uh, a- an army, how you procure weapon systems, right? Uh, how do we globally? How do we? deploy the force globally. Um, and then in Zanel's department, you know, we're going to, we're going to, they're the owner of how we talk to our civilian masters as military officers, um, in the course of a competition, uh, or, or a conflict. Um, and that's important, especially as these officers that are mostly colonels prepare to transition, uh, out of the war cause. They're no longer leading tactical, battalions. So to them, war fighting uh, now means taking action to build, to position, to supply, uh, to connect, uh, in whether it be signal or intelligence, uh, tactical forces on the battlefield so they can achieve uh, a strategic a strategic effect. Uh, in my department, again, we focus on the planning and the executing of those military campaigns at the operational level of war. Um, so I'll stop there and mm-hmm. let Zanel chime in and then we can talk a little bit okay. about how we do that perhaps. No, that's, that's, that's really good. And I, I, I like the way, I like the way you frame that. So Zanel, when you think about it, coming at it from the perspective of a department of national security and strategy, right? How do you see war fighting as part of what, what we do? Yeah, I, I think at a core level, war fighting is embedded in pretty much every single one of our departments. And the way that I see the Department of National Security and Strategy contributing to that mission is that at the core level, we are teaching our students to think more deeply about the constant nature and changing character of war. I think that kind of sets the stage for everything we build on in our core curriculum uh, throughout the academic year. So we want to get our students to think, right? Of course, the military instrument being a core component of what it is that we do here, it is the Army War College. But as they're thinking about strategy and as they're thinking about war fighting, 
right? That there are com social components, historical components, economic, right? That play a significant role in your ability, right? To mobilize and utilize uh, military forces, but also the effects of using or not using that military force. Hmm. So I see our department, my department, uh, Department of National Security and Strategy, as contributing to helping students think, I guess, more broadly about what it entails to develop strategy, what warfighting is, what's constant and what has changed, right? And what are the implications of those changes? Right. What I'm hearing from both of you, too, is the idea that when, when students come to the War College, we tell them that this is to get them thinking at this strategic level. So they have to move one step uh, uh, higher, let's say, up the up the uh, the chain of of uh, uh, up the chain of planning and of the of their vision. And Tom, you specifically talked about how right they're no longer in command of tactical units; they're no longer command of battalions and companies. Right now, they're going to be thinking about how these big pieces fit across a much larger landscape. Um, how does that and Tom, this is this is for you because this is something I've been wondering about. Is how would you um, define the difference between training a warfighter to think strategically versus um, training, you know, it, it versus training the training that they've received all the way up to here? What's different about what we do, um, what we do in the classroom? So I think it comes down to ambiguity. You know, I like to use mm. the word educate. Um, because mm -hmm. war is unpredictable and the further up you move from the tactical to the operational to the theater strategic or strategic, I would argue the more unpredictable it, it becomes. It is more complex. So we are trying to prepare them to know how to plan, to build, but understand that, that the the situation is going to change as soon as the war starts. And and the best and most important part of planning is what they're learning about the environment um, and as they're thinking through contingencies so they can be prepared to adapt as their environment changes, which it invariably does uh, when we when we when we enter into that environment. Um, so so we do that in a number of different ways. You know, we lay a foundation of understanding right the, the different domains of warfare how to integrate with allies and partners, which are always going to add in, you know, variations uh, to it, how to integrate within the inner agency. Um, and, and then uh, we exercise them at this uh, through uh, just, we can do it a number of different ways. One of our favorites now is war games, but there's also simulations. There's simple practical group work in class we do. Um, uh, but right now, the biggest one we're doing in a part of the China integrated course, which is what I know we came here to talk about today, is the war games that we have built to teach students to build a plan, but then to be prepared to adapt that plan uh, when uh, the fighting starts. Right. Right. Well, and, and this is this is a perfect segue. It's like I, I like working with people who know how to organize a discussion. Thank you, Tom, because this moves back to you, Z, is you you've been you're one of the course directors for the China integrated course. And how has that course been designed, not just to sort of teach people about China, but to encourage people uh, to encourage our students to think strategically about the relationships between the United States and the PRC and and their interactions in the uh, in the Indo-Pacific? Yeah, I think that 
despite of the fact that there's more and more attention being paid on U.S.-China relations and a recognition that this is probably the most important bilateral relation, um, actually for both countries, uh, for the foreseeable future, the degree to which students come in with some baseline knowledge on China varies significantly. Uh, there are students that know some, students that don't, and students that think they know something, and we actually have to work our way backwards, mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. speak. So I think a core component of what I was trying to do uh, in, in the co-development of this course was to establish a baseline that our students in the War College could learn about China, right? So thinking about the emergence of the PRC, right, the tumultuous uh, formation of, of, of the PRC, think about the economic and social cultural factors that shape the way that Chinese officials think about the world, how they think about foreign policy and strategy. And an outcome, uh, I hope as the, as the course develops and we implement it, we get feedback and revise as we go, my hope is that we get to a point where when the students are asked to think about U.S.-China relations or think about the way that China sees the world, or even better, if they're asked to play a simulation or a war game, that we have been able to move the needle towards getting our students, right, to not just, let's say, if they do a war game, to not just play red team, right, in this case, China, right, but thinking through the blue team's lens. In other words, we're basically blue team with red geography, and then we do a war game. Mm-hmm. The hope of the course is to provide the students with enough of a baseline and to get them to think deeper so that as we get to the experiential component of the course, that they're actually being able to implement, right, and apply the concepts and material that they have learned. Right. Well, and Tom, how is the 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 the, the big simulation, but also the smaller ones that are part of the China course? Um, how how have they been developed? My understanding is that the the course that we're the big the big game in the China course is a uh, a modification and, and refinement of a uh, of a war game that's been that Dimspo has been uh, has been using in its military strategy and campaigning course. Is that correct? Yeah, thanks for asking that, that Ron. That's that's a that's a great question. Uh, before I do that, I want to just uh, build off of what um, Zanel said, though, if that's okay. Uh, the the way we've positioned this China integrated course, I really like it because I think it it, it does exactly all of what Zanel said, but it also kind of acts as like a capstone uh, exercise for the for the, all three departments to bring together what we've been teaching throughout the years. Um, throughout the curriculum, we use case studies. Uh, all of the departments do, but but uh, you know, in in Dimspo, I encourage my team to in almost every lesson, every lesson if possible. To bring in uh, a case study of some of some sort in order to demonstrate it and relate it to something that the, the the students the students know. This course acts like a big case study for us. Uh, only it's a, while we usually use historical case studies, it's kind of a future looking case study, uh, which is which I think works really really well. Um, now back to your question in the in the war game, uh, the last four lessons of the integrated China or China integrated course. 
are war games. It's two, two separate war games. The first is one we call Pacific Posture, which is focused on campaigning in competition when we are posturing forces and using all of the instruments of, of national power. It forces students uh, to use all of the instruments of power to posture themselves in the Indo-Pacific uh, to deter war, ideally, again, and then if we transition to war to be be prepared uh, to transition to war. So that includes thinking through how do we build allies? Who are the most important allies mm-hmm. based upon their geographic position, right? How do we preposition stocks? Uh, how do we exercise so that uh, we're sending a message to our adversaries on our capabilities, demonstrating those capabilities in order to deter, deter war? Uh, now, getting back to your question, so thank you for allowing me to go down that road. That's all right. This, this, I, I like setting the stage. Yeah, this has absolutely been an, an evolution. Uh, we started with the wargaming in around 2017, 2018 is when my predecessor um, st- ordered several of our, our instructors to work with the Department of Strategic Wargaming um, over in uh, the Center for Strategic Leadership here in the War College to build a war game uh, that is real world and will test the students and reinforce the concepts in our class. And it was, it, it was supposed to focus on multi-domain operations at the time, Russia was the top threat. So Mm -hmm. it was focused in Europe the first several times we played it and it was on a board game. Uh, And it emphasized uh, what I've talked about already, the multi-domain, integrating the different domains that gives you an advantage, a higher coefficient when you're rolling, uh, for instance, to... um, to, for, for as a key part of the, of the game. We transitioned that three years ago to the Indo-Pacific as China emerged as the, as the premier threat. And we've also computerized it now in order to make it more scalable so that all of the students can play it at the same time, a little bit easier to train on because students can sit at home and literally play on, learn to play the game now, and then to speed the turns a little bit uh, because it does some auto adjudicating for us now. So instead of having to figure out all of these things, um, it, it moves faster. And that it enables us Uh, to make the students do multiple turns. So they have to think out three and four turns now in order to try to create dilemmas, bringing together the multiple different domains. For example, how can I do something five days from now in the space and cyber domain that could create a opening for the air and the maritime domain? Right, an opportunity for the air and maritime domain uh, to execute a deep raid or some other operation. So we're trying to make them think two and three moves out on this thing in order to cre- to uh, create those opportunities across the different domains. Now, Zanel already hit on this, but up to this point, you know, there are no perfect war games. Uh, this one certainly isn't perfect, but it, but what we are doing this year is with the China integrated courses, we are able to integrate both sides. In the past, we've had them fighting blue doctrine. The red team fought blue doctrine and the, and the blue team fought blue doctrine. Uh, now they can fight, the red team can fight Red Doctrine, certainly not perfect, but we have a 10-day course to get them there. And we're also integrating experts uh, from our new China Integrated Center over at the Center for Strategic uh, Studies. So um, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be much better this year, and, and, and it will continue to evolve. This is this is really uh, it's a, it's an important part of what we're talking about doing here and how we can modify the curriculum in ways that uh, enriches the educational experience while while not not sort of rushing the students not just offering them something uh, completely 
uh, superficial. But I am curious. You mentioned Tom that it's that it's essentially two games, right? The uh, Pacific Posture and then Pacific Overmatch. And how do we imagine? the transition from one to the other because i was thinking that if you if you set up for a war game but if your diplomacy is so great you don't end up fighting a war then you know does everybody get the last two days off because we don't have to fight the um we don't, we don't actually have to fight the war or do we no matter no matter how well you do we still imagine that you're going to end up fighting something and so we're still going to play the fighting part of the game i'll ask you this first and then i'll go to snell go ahead tom that would be that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? It did so well in the Pacific <laughs> posture. Uh, for, f- so first of all, the Pacific posture is actually a result of one of our integrated uh, research projects from several years ago, and these mm-hmm. are deep dive uh, uh, projects where we'll take a group of students and we'll give them a problem, and an instructor will oversee that study. Uh, and in this case, they created a game, right? Working again with our our, our partners at at. Um, uh, the Center for Strategic Leadership. They created this game, uh, and it and it was good. And then we've evolved it over the years in one of our um, other programs, one of our, our deep air programs that we called JWASP, the, the Joint Warfighting Advanced Studies Program, has tested it, and then we've brought it back into uh, the the curriculum now. And, and it's it's can they transition? Can they do so well that they deter war? No, they can't. Uh, Ron, we don't let them do that, mm-hmm. right? Because right. we would certainly be in trouble uh, with the chief of staff of the army if all we did was teach them <laughs> the posture and not to fight at the Army War College, right? So we will Indeed. force that scenario uh, if we have to. That you know, we can. We ultimately uh, the oversight, the the instructors have uh, godlike powers, and they can make things happen uh, in the in the in right. the scenario to force the fighting to come. That has been a problem though, sometimes in the past, they, they do want to do so well posturing, uh, but we always make them fight. Sir. And, and Zanel, how do you imagine the, the two parts of the game coming together within the context of the course? I think as they're currently developed, uh, they, they are meant to build off each other, right? Mm-hmm. I think our, our, the, the current arrangement that we have gradually built towards is at the end of the first game, kind of, not necessarily lock in students to all the decisions, but rather you, it's going to shape some of the choices that they're going to make uh, for the second game. I think based on the iterations that I've seen in the last year on how we have refined the games, they're pretty intuitive um, and they nest really well together. Um, we're going to see once we implement it, how well that flows. The way that I envisioned the course developing over time is that, of, that we'll still maintain that uh, war gaming component, but I'd actually like to incorporate a simulation component beforehand that encompasses wider strategic competition, right? So in a sense, right, you're, you're asking about, is there a way that we can escape the war, so to speak? In a sense, you could end up with a game that does that, but there is still value, educational value, frankly, in having them play out what a conflict might look like. Sure. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that if we think about scale, scope, right, and what it might, the geography of it all, right, this is one of those instances where the students can really come to a head and look at the map, look at the scale that we're talking about, look at what it will actually entail, right, and potentially facing an adversary that has capabilities to inflict far more damage, right, than any of the other adversaries we have fought in recent decades. Right? So it's not necessarily to play a war game for the sake of playing a war game. It is also to provide students right, with, I guess, a simulated perspective of 
what it entails logistically, what it entails in just human capital capacity, right? The the constraints of geography that, that you cannot fundamentally change, so to speak, the role that partners and allies will have to play, right, in, in such a, a scenario, and what are some of the inherent advantages that, you know, China might possess simply because it is physically located there. So my hope is as the years go, as the course matures, that we'll have a, war, uh, a simulation that helps students think more holistically about what strategic competition involves. Mm-hmm. Yes, DM is, you know, core component, but all these other areas that they need to be aware of. And then a war game that ultimately gets them to think, okay, well, if, you know, things hit the fan, so to speak, and we do have to do this, what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, and I think what is what is especially interesting is we're teaching the China Integrated Course. Um, we're going to be teaching it in our existing seminar structure. So you're going to have a couple of dozen different seminars, each fight, each playing this game within their seminar, if I understand correctly. So we could end up with 22, 23, 24 different results from the war. Um, and uh, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see after we've done it to f- see how we, you know, what lessons we learn from that. Like, you know, would it, uh, you know, would it shock us to find out that it sort of breaks fifty-fifty, or you know, will we find out that uh, that most of the time the red team wins? I guess do we have a do we have an idea or a plan for how we would report out the results of the course and or the war game? for our own community, but also, let's say, for somebody who wants to know how we're training our students to get ready for this conflict. So because there's an automation component to that uh, second game, yeah, there is a possibility to gather data on where the students went and what direction, why, mm-hmm. right? Because they do have to put in their justifications for the choices that they're making. And ostensibly, we can extract a lot of that information to get a sense of what kinds of tweaks might be necessary for the game moving forward. Or maybe there's a learning component here for the faculty and the student body in general of, hey, man, we tried this two dozen times this you know, this year, and it ended up coming up with this result. Why did we come up with this result? Is there something deeper here as far as the curriculum is concerned? Are there gaps? Or are right. we teaching something uh, more heavily than others? So I think there's definitely a lot of opportunities moving forward. And it does appear to me that there is a, a concerted effort institutionally. So this is broader white uh, war college level to be able to gather data on, on, on these things so that we can learn right. uh, on how to develop curriculum moving forward. Tom, when we were just offering the the overmatch course, the overmatch game in regular uh, military strategy and campaigning, did, uh, did Dimspo collect information on basically who won most often? We didn't, and we largely did that because it was artificial because we were both fighting blue force tactics, right? And we were waiting to a degree uh, the advantages because we, on one side, we were were cheating a little bit in order to force them to fight at a relatively equal plane uh, so they could see those results and not feel like it was an impossible mission. But back to your question, I think we could and we and we should try to collect. We certainly will gather the lessons learned 
from the education part and share that with our colleagues. We do that all the time. In fact, some will have visitors here um, from Air University watching how we do it. We work closely with the Marine Corps University on how they, uh, Marine Corps War College rather, how they are are using war games and we share ideas back and forth. Uh, the, the challenge is that, you know, we kind of build war games for two reasons. One, we build them to test concepts for the future, right? To try to predict the future. Those war games and uh, the Center for Strategic Leadership does a number of these for the Army are, are trying to figure things out for future war uh, and learn lessons about the war. The second kind are the ones we build really to teach, to learn from uh, with the, with, in a student educational environment. Our war game is more of the latter. Uh, that said, as it as as it has evolved, I think that there is potential there, uh, and as it becomes more complex and more realistic, now that it is within the integrated China course, I think there's there is potential to draw some lessons about the outcomes. Interesting. I mean, if I'm, I'm as I will say I'm as excited as anybody else, right? Uh, that you know, since Zanell and I in our in our department, right, our courses generally have not included. Uh, a game like this, and but we will all be jointly teaching the China Integrated Course, so we'll all get a chance to sort of see how this goes, and it will be it'll be pretty exciting to uh, to play out. But um, uh, I'm uh, everybody at the War College, right? We're we're all interested in seeing how the China Integrated Course helps our students to prepare for the challenges of the future. And um, we're very grateful for the work of uh, of colleagues like the both of you in uh, getting these structures together so that we can sort of wind it up and let it go. But uh, thanks very much, Zanel Garcia and Tom Spar, for being here today on A Better Piece to talk about your work, um, hopefully giving the outside world a little bit more insight into what we do here at the War College and how we imagine our role in preparing strategic leaders, building teams, uh, building up that war fighting capacity for, for the Army, the Armed Forces, and the nation. So thanks very much, Zanel Garcia and Tom Spar for joining us on A Better Peace. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Ron. Thank you. And thanks all of you for listening in. Please send us your comments on this program and all the programs. Please send us your suggestions for future programs. And if you want to do the right thing and if you want to uh, prepare yourself in a simulation for the realities of strategic life, you should subscribe to A Better Peace. And once you've subscribed to A Better Peace, you should take a moment to rate and review this podcast on your podcatcher of choice because that's how more people can find out about us. And we're always interested in growing the community for conversations like this one. So even though this conversation is over, we look forward to welcoming you to the next one. And so until next time from the War Room. I'm Ron Granary. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.